0: editor-in-chief of Century View. Today I'm here with my new co-host Ben Kusava, assistant editor of Century Review. Hello, that's me. (laughs) And Zach Riddle, uh, former editor-in-chief of Century View. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, Today we'll be talking about Zach's poem, In the Dark, which will appear in Century View Spring Edition. So Zach, um, would you like to give us a little synopsis of your poem and read it?
1: Sure, do you want me to read it first? Sure. Okay. I will begin by reading it. This poem is called In the Dark. It is still Halloween, and I am sleepless in a three-room house that is not mine. In the first room, there is a portrait that I know is supposed to be of you, but isn't. Instead, it is a portrait of myself lying in a white bed, a translucent plastic sheet pulled over my emaciated body. The second room is blue. There is a television, a VHS player, and an unlabeled tape. When I play it, snowfall and dead pines light up on screen. In the distance, a barn house, a woman's face in the hayloft porthole. In the third room, the floor, ceiling, and walls are made of windows, a single red door settled among them. Outside, I see a hill lined with thick, withering trees and scarecrows made of antelope bones, straw, and tattered clothes, lanterns hanging around their necks. A bird flies through the window beneath my feet, and a shard of glass impales its breast. I walk through the red door, and I am in the first room again. The portrait is now a portrait of my birth elongated fingers wrapped like rivers around the shore of my body. The second room is gray now. The the VHS tape is gutted. I fasten myself with leather straps into a metal chair and stare at the screen. At first, I can barely see anything. Then a man who looks like you but isn't you is standing at the peak of a mountain. The camera follows not you through a forest to the inside of the same barn house from the video before. Not you lifts a cellar door and descends a ladder. The cellar is the window room, now all cracked glass. There is a black and white photograph of two men standing side by side. Between them, a woman with a coal-colored rucksack pulled over her face. A sapling grows from her throat. One of the men is wearing a deer mask carved from oak wood. The other wears a mask of porcelain white not you points at the photograph not you is blood not you is static i can only watch the television asks are you ready i've always known what would be in the last room the last room is made of skin there is a bed frame a bucket and no light and a you that is not you like the not you in the video Not you tells me this isn't the last room, but I will believe that it is until it isn't. Are you ready? There isn't much further. You're almost there. Are you ready? There isn't much further. You're almost there.
0: So how does this poem fit in with what you're working on right now?
1: So this poem originally was uh, part of a sequence of four poems which were all the first one was origin of the dark second one was before the dark this one is in the dark and then there's one that's called after the dark and these poems they're pretty abstract um they don't tell a very clear narrative and they're supposed to just show the overall like emotion and imagery that kind of recurs throughout the sequence Mm -hmm. that i'm using so that was kind of what i was going for
2: um so you said that it was just trying to like portray like an image or a feeling. What were you kind of going for there? I'm just kind of curious.
1: So in this one, I was going for, I was trying to capture um, the loss of the speaker's father. So this pl- takes place in the narrative after the speaker uh, unplugs his father. And it's getting toward where things start to become more surreal. He kind of starts realizing um, who he is and who he isn't trying to be. So it's him kind of like recollecting memories of his father who he sees as like this sort of not person, if that makes any sense. Yeah.
2: So like the last room is him, if I'm reading that correctly, like him going into that, the hospital room where he's unplugging the, the cord. Right. So
1: yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good point. So the whole sequence is the speaker trying to figure out what is this truth that he's pursuing? Um, and in this case, I think the illusion is that the the truth that he's trying to avoid the last room is coming to terms with um, him basically, you know, killing his father, I guess, you know, quotes.
2: Cool, interesting.
0: Yeah, and so when you write about death, it's very different than the um, usual way people write about death. And so um, how did you kind of create that for yourself to, like, kind of avoid what we typically know as, like, um, deaths and in poems?
1: So I guess when I, I first started writing, I guess I wasn't trying to write particularly about death. I was trying... The first thing I wrote were love poems, and they did not come out as love poems. <laughs> um, I wanted them to be, and to me it felt like they were, but, you know, to the normal person they were not. Um, and then... Some things, you know, I I had to go through some personal things to kind of get to this um, understanding of what I thought death was. And I'm not sure exactly what it is that the poems are saying that I think death is because the speaker doesn't know what he thinks death is. So the speaker at this point is a reflection of myself and my own inability to kind of put a finger down on what I think death is. I try to approach it differently with, like, wild imagery because it draws attention as opposed to just, you know, the, the more cliche um, romantic images, I mm-hmm. suppose.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a... It's more of a s- scary haunted house feel than, um, yeah. than like, uh, romanticizing it. And I think that's what we really why we really chose this poem, too. Well, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so how does, um, I know you mentioned earlier about how you work in sequences. So how does this, um, how does sequences either constrain or give freedom to your
1: work? So for a sequence, um, I don't think it really constrains me personally because there's a lot that the speaker can go through Um, and I can fit all sorts of poetic forms into it. Um, The original conception of this was that I wanted to use several different kinds of artistic outlets, like I wanted to use a graphic novel form, I wanted to use poems, I wanted to use prose, I wanted to use scripts, Um, I wanted to do visual art, you know, videos, uh, actual drawings, and incorporate all of these. So restriction in the sense of actual like writing I don't think it, it restricted or constricted me at all um, in regard to content though I think maybe working within a particular sequence limits you to the perspective of whatever characters it is that you're working with but so long as those characters are all coming from inside I think that can like help you discover more about yourself and I guess in a way that's that kind of opens it up to a certain extent
2: mm-hmm. cool yeah, I had a question. Um, so you mentioned a little bit earlier that this poem in particular was about the the speaker dealing with like the death of his father. Is this something that you were aiming for when you approached the sequence of poems that you wanted to talk about that specific instance of death specifically? Or did you get to that subject through writing poems about death and loss?
1: So when I sat down to write these poems, I think the original thing that I wanted to talk about was, like, lost lost love. So, on a more, like, typical romantic um, level, that's what I wanted to approach. Um, as the poems grew and the speaker developed his own personality and kind of reflected my own um, experiences, the father thing kind of worked itself in.
2: Okay.
1: Like, very organically, though. Um, so, like, from the very beginning, from the very first poem you know that the speaker is dealing with like issues with heritage um so the father thing I think was Mm -hmm. always like ever ever since I wrote the first poem in that sequence or what came to be the first poem in that sequence it's been kind of like a root root system spreading out from
2: that it's a cool way to think about it yeah
0: and also about this poem um, is that it's in a prose format so um why do you like to write prose is it Give you the ability to tell a story or does it is it something that you just enjoy writing in because it harkens back to um writing in fiction or what is it for you
1: so for me it kind of does double duty um, part of it is like i said before i wanted to use all sorts of different genres of writing when i went into this so a prose poem is a poem disguised as prose. So to meld that with other pieces of prose that are more prosy, if that makes sense, maybe it doesn't, I don't know, but (laughs) if that makes sense, um, that's part of the reason I chose it. I also find that when I write, and this is just a a personal thing, it might not um, apply to anyone else, but the way I write verse, you know, like break the line couplets, whatever, um, the content and the language is always different than when I write a, a paragraph, like a, you know, a block form. Um, so if I want something a little more concrete with the imagery and the language, then I'll do prose form. If I want something a little more lyrical and abstract, I'll do something in verse.
0: Okay.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to this poem, because I know the first chunk is mostly in prose. And then when it gets to those later rooms, if I remember correctly, the the text starts to break up into almost a verse. Right. So for me, I personally enjoyed that, like the reflection of the content and then the form. Right.
0: Is that what you were kind of going for when you did that pairing?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Originally, I wasn't going to have, my poems weren't going to have titles. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought that this one could just break off into verse and then lead right into a verse poem. But then the logistics of that does not make sense, especially when you're submitting for publication and you know starting to put everything together. It gets very dis... wow, my voice cracked there. very disorganized. Um, so yeah,
2: awesome. Okay. So I mean, we kind of already touched on this a little bit earlier where you're talking about why you, you use the images that you do. And when like reading your poetry, I can usually only describe it as like horror poetry. Um I'm not sure if that's a genre, but if it is your work certainly seems to fit into that um and I just kind of am genuinely curious about what it is that like this horror type of poetry does for you as a writer if that I'm not sure i guess you know what i mean yeah i i,
1: I, think, I think I think I know what you're saying yeah. um so for me, I'm interested so. I guess I can start by saying uh, the reason I became interested in the horror genre was because as a small child, I was scared of literally everything. Like I was just scared of everything. So whatever that says about me as a human being, at one point <laughs> I was scared of everything. Um, as a grew older, those things in the horror genre like started to draw me in. Um, and so it's been ever since I watched, you know, my first horror movie, it's been kind of chasing that high. Um, of being scared, like, really genuinely scared that first time. And I guess when I think about the horror genre, I think about, like, uncovering these, like, darker truths that we want to approach. Um, I don't want to say on a more real level, but it's definitely in a different dimension because you can talk about the death of a speaker's father um, through a lot of different perspectives i guess when i'm going the route of horror i'm trying to deal with you know it's not everything's going to be okay like for some people it will be for others Mm -hmm. it won't i don't know if i answered your question i got so off track
2: i think that i'm satisfied by that (laughs) that's all that matters especially that last bit that you said about Mm -hmm. not everything is going to be okay and i think we get that by the end of this poem, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that's like reflective of life in general? Is that or like what?
2: So, so like,
1: I, I should clarify that <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not I'm not a half glass empty kind of person, but there are instances when you have to look at the glass and say that is a half empty glass, and what am I going to do to like refill it? Mm-hmm. But to refill it, you have to know at first that it's half empty. Okay. So. I, I don't know if that, I that got helps. You. That was right off the top of my head, so <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of that.
0: <laughs> um, and also kind of going back to how you were saying, like, um, being scared was something that was really, like, impactful when you were a child, and then it kind of became something that was more exciting for you. Like, um, how does that reflective in your work too? Is it something that you try to like cope with, or is it like how what is like um what does poetry do to like balance that maybe
1: to balance the fear
0: to balance like it, is it to balance um your dualistic fear and like excitement maybe in horror or is it oh, or are you more like in the moment now speaking about horror
1: that's interesting now I think I'm more in the moment I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not nearly as scared um, of everything I say so, so put it this way <laughs> When I was in like elementary school, my music teacher described Jaws to me, and I went and laid in bed, and a lump of clothes in the dark corner of the room looked like a shark, and I was I was just frightened. Um,
2: but now it's like I, I. You have a shark suit at home that you put I, on. Yeah, I have a shark
1: suit at home that I put on, and I like chase people around with it. Okay. Um, no, but like I guess now it's like I actively seek out. The, the same feeling that that lump of laundry first gave to me, not because I'm scared of it, but because I'm fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated by what it represents inside of myself. Um, And I guess poetry does help me kind of address these things that, you know, that maybe I'm not necessarily afraid of, but maybe that I'm regretful of. And in that regret is like a deep seated, like, fear as Mm -hmm. a basis, Um, yeah.
0: Okay. And um, I had a question for you and I forgot it. Um, (laughs) Ben, do you have a question Um, upon that or any other questions?
2: I think I'm pretty satisfied with that. I had a lot of questions coming into this poem, but, I mean, I'm still leaving with a lot of questions, but I think I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. Now I remembered my question. Um, do you think for you, um, is horror death, or is it a very broad topic? I mean, I know horror is like it, it's huge, but um, do you
1: so 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 <laughs> I don't think horror is just death.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think death can be horrific. But I don't think it always is. I think it depends on the circumstances. I think horror is everything that we want to know, but can't. Mm. I think it is I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it other than that. And it's like it's like this thing that we want to understand. so we make it into this really scary, awful looking, you know we'll we'll use a monster, for example. And we put it as that because otherwise, what we're trying to describe or understand is completely unintelligible. So I think it's just a way for us to process and understand the world that we otherwise wouldn't be able to understand.
0: Yeah, it's a good answer.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Am I getting graded on this?
0: Yeah, you get an A- so far.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty mad sharks. about those missing points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know where. Well, came I, I
1: guess up my voice. My voice did crack. So that. that that's
0: fair. Yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah. No, it's like an A. I'm.
1: I'm Ish. happy with that.
0: Ish. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, I guess transitioning topics here. Um. So where do you see yourself, like, taking your writing, or what are some goals that you have?
1: So, as of right now, my manuscript is floating around um, to a few places. I've sent it, like the shorter version, a chat book, to a couple different places. I've sent the manuscript to one place. Um, originally, I was planning on going straight to an MFA program right after I was done with my master's degree. But I want to get into writing graphic novels, I think. I think I want to get into maybe writing for video games or. Movies or TV or some something new. Mm-hmm. Something outside of academia. Because I've been in yeah. school since, like, you know, kindergarten. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so where do I see myself in the next couple of years? Mm-hmm. Well, next year I'll be here. Um, <laughs> the year after that, I don't know. I'm kind of just letting letting the, the wind take me wherever, to use that cliche.
0: <laughs> well, uh, good luck with... You and your wind and your future. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and do you have, like, <clears throat> excuse me, um, any advice for young writers who are maybe just beginning their undergraduate or...
1: This was a question I was not anticipating. Um, <laughs> any advice for young writers? Well, you have to... You have to... Teach yourself when it is that you don't need to change something in your writing. So I guess what I mean by that is if you share a poem or a story with someone and they provide you with constructive feedback. And part of that's going to be really helpful. Part of it's going to be, oh yeah, maybe that line break doesn't work there. Oh yeah, maybe those words don't work there. But another part of it is putting your foot down and saying you know I really don't want to change this one part I'm like that one part means a lot to me and one of two things will happen you'll put it away and then you'll come back to it and realize I do need to change that part like holy cow why didn't I do that (laughs) or you'll realize you know I really was happy with that that's what I meant to say it's still what I mean to say so it's just learning your own art learning your own form and learning what you want to take from it and when you start editing a piece, don't deform it. I mean, you can you can sculpt it, but don't deform it.
0: Awesome.
1: And just read. That's that's the classic yeah. one. Just read a lot.
0: <laughs> the famous answer. Right. <laughs> um, so thank you again for being with us today, Zach.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I yeah. appreciate it.
0: Yeah. No problem. Um, and for all of our listeners, our spring edition will be released Friday, April 22nd at our reading, which will be held in the Baber Room at 5.30. Um, unfortunately, our deadline has already passed for this semester, but please continue to write and submit your work for the fall. And thank you for listening. <laughs>